Hi, and welcome to Fossilfern Christian Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message, and it will both challenge and inspire you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Lord, we know that to be true. Just sometimes we find it hard to believe. So I pray that right now, those of us present, those of us who are connected in this moment, by your spirit know the reality and the truth the power of that truth of that love right now Lord you do know our hearts you know everything about it oh God you know the thoughts and the intents of our heart before we do and you love us and you continue to love us So I pray that your Holy Spirit would now help us, each and every one of us, you would assist us to walk in that love. Not only understanding of that truth, but but literally the outworking of that truth through our lives. For any who are connected right now, who are in this moment with us right now, who might be wrestling with that reality, with that truth. I pray that right now your spirit would come. Let them know without a shadow of a doubt that they are loved. They are so loved by you. Not just the emotional embrace, but the power of all that that means. That we might walk as sons and daughters of the Most High, the Most Glorious Father, that we might forever walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. And the saint said, well, thank you for being with us tonight. I, I want to jump into 1 Peter 4, 7, 11, because looking at the age brackets of this church, I think probably about half or maybe just more than half might right now be able to identify with some of the things I'm going to say. So let me start to read from 1 Peter 4, 7 to 11. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. Uh, By the end of all things, uh, sorry, but, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above uh, above all things have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the nomination forever and ever. Amen. When we became Christians, when Jane and I became Christians in 1983, we were saved, born again, in a time period where there was a series of worldwide events 
um, and that impacted us here at home as well, that led many Christians to believe that the end of all things was at hand. So who remembers? It was late 70s, early 80s, and we knew that we knew that any moment now Jesus Christ was coming back. Any, anybody identify with that? And, you know, we had all the evangelists and all the prophets and all the teachers all accurately conf- confirming that any moment now Jesus is going to appear. And that was 19, in the late 70s, early 80s. And uh, I think we, I th- well, I personally know that I got caught up with a bit of rapture fever. I thought the rapture was going to happen any time before the coming of Christ. And, of course, the, a lot of my theology has changed since then. But the deal is, in 1983, this was very real. Ima- imagine for the first time when, you know, all of a sudden you've discovered that God was actually real. And so you're going to his church and... And because you're completely ignorant of anything of church or the Bible or the things of God, when they start telling you, like Christian ministers got up and started telling you that Jesus is coming back anytime now, you had no reason to doubt because, of course, they're Christian ministers. They know everything and they tell the truth. And never exaggerate. And uh, so we got saved in that. And, and, of course, the signs, the events that were happening around the world and, and in our own nation... Uh, were very convincing because it fitted really nice and neatly in with what or how the Bible was being revealed to us back then. So it, it was a huge thing. Um, we, we did believe that the second coming of Christ was near. And, uh, and since that time, there have been a couple of seasons where we thought, here we go again. And especially, of course, the last couple of years with all the dramas that COVID brought, we've, we've thought about... Is this it? And it lines up with what we understand in the scriptures. And so we were right in there again, except we were probably a little bit cautious because in the 80s we were so extreme, it was hard to explain how we got it so wrong. And some 40 years later, we're, well, it's true, we're closer than we've ever been before. And he is on his way. It's just that, you know, we've still got to get to that point where we meet together. Um, so. But the truth is, in, in that very first big, very real, that was in the 80s, that was huge. I never heard anyone suggest a response like Peter responds, uh, expects and suggests right here in this passage. And that's the truth. It was very dramatic. It was startling. It was exciting and it was scary all at the same time. You're looking out the window for the second coming of Christ appearing you're also looking down the street for the portable guillotine that was coming to your house. And, you know, it was, just, it was very dramatic. But I, I can't remember. They may well have said these things, but I honestly can't remember anybody saying in such a way that it sticks out in my memory. You know, um, to be honest, I never experienced the suggestions of a response to this situation like Peter gives here. Uh, and so I just want to look at that a little bit. And, and because I know some of you know what I'm talking about, um, I, th- I think you'll help me tonight greatly. Uh, so I n- honestly never experienced a response like Peter suggests, right? So here we go. Peter says, when it becomes obvious that the end is close, we should be serious and watchful in our prayers. Um, which is to say that we should be more intentional 
intentional and purposeful in our prayers. Not that we just don't miss out on the rapture, <laughs> but we're praying about um, friends, loved ones who don't know Jesus yet. And, and it would be easy to think that when the Lord's coming close, when the end of all things is at hand, that there's some kind of supernatural thing happening inside of us that just automatically switches into intercession and we automatically pray uh, with all with, with much more intention and, and more deliberate. And um, unfortunately, that's not the case. It's not an automatic supernatural thing. It's just something that we have to do ourselves. Um, So I want to ask you tonight. So if all of a sudden we became aware that the end of all things is very, very near, uh, what do you think we should pray about? And now this is your turn. What If you really were convinced that the end of all things is about to happen and, and we're taking... Peter's suggestions here about praying more intentionally, more deliberately, just more focused. What do you think we should be praying for? Go on, just. There's no right or wrong answers. We... The help, the enabling power of God to help us walk in this. Because um, we're terrified, we don't want to miss out on the rapture. No, just, I'm just. That, I'm joking. That's not. We'd be praying for family who we're not sure if they know Jesus. We'd be praying for friends who who we think might miss out, and we understand that, according to our understanding, that if this was the end of times and and the church was taken or you know stuff happened at right this time. We don't know if they'd make it to heaven. In fact, we don't know if they'd, what they'd have to go through in that season until the very end. And so we, we would probably, under the in, in, uh, conviction of the Holy Spirit, we, we'd be sort of confident in our relationship enough to be start praying for others, wouldn't we? So um, I, I've got to be honest... Um, We'll be praying for the people that we care about most, the ones that we're concerned about, who we're not sure if they believe or not. Some we know for a fact they don't believe because they tell us all the time. But the deal is, in their secret moments, is that true? We don't, we don't know. It's between them and God. Um, but the deal is, did when we were in that season or when we've been in those seasons, is that the way we responded? See, that first one, I was a novice. So we were brand new Christians. 1983, we got saved. And, and it, everything was about the end times. But I can't remember. I remember big meetings that attracted big crowds and people were inviting their friends to come and hear a message and hopefully respond to the gospel and get saved. But, but I, I, it might have happened, but I can't remember being encouraged or taught Okay, here's the end of all things. 
it's time for you to get very intentional about your prayer and who you're praying for and what you're praying for. And, and not just intentional and deliberate, but actually almost militant. Now reading what Peter's suggesting here, I'm thinking that's probably the way we should have gone. Now I do remember after that period when it was obvious we'd sort of missed out a little bit, that, that our church, the church we were in, got a, a guy who'd written a book called The Hour That Changed the World, Jane? Uh, the Hour of Prayer, Hour of Change the World. And, and this one came in and did, I think he did a week-long teaching where he taught us how to pray. He, he broke down prayer, the Lord's Prayer, the, the suggestions of the Lord's Prayer, the pattern of the Lord's Prayer into an hour's prayer. And it, it, it was really quite smart. And it was, it was um, a little pattern which would encourage us to pray. And, but that was after. That wasn't in all the passion and zeal and excitement and enthusiasm. Um, we were basically just saying we'd repent of all the sins we were aware of and just in case there was some we weren't aware of, well, anything that's there, Lord, forgive us and then we'd get ready to be, beam me up. Scotty, I'm here ready. And it was so embarrassing. There was some, some people were so confident they actually knew, they thought they knew the, not just the date but the hour and actually gathered together waiting for the rapture. And it was, came out of some teachings about the festivals. And uh, so I can't remember thinking, but now, uh, looking back, it seems like Peter's got onto something here, doesn't it? I'm thinking if... As mature Christians, we should be confident in our salvation, trust the Lord. And, and so rather than being worried about ourselves, we'll be praying for those who we're not sure if they're saved. That makes sense to me. So um, then he tells us that we should start to love each other like God loves us. Uh, I'll, just, I'll just read that again. And that's in um, 1 Peter 4 and verse 8. Above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sin. Isn't that the way God loves us? And then I'm thinking, so Peter's saying, okay, you, you, we ought to be more specific and deliberate, intentional about prayer, but then you ought to love each other, just like God loved you. And, and very simply, um, very basically, I suppose, we can say... Um, well, how does God love us? Well, God is very concerned and he, um, he cares for us. And so, if we love people like God loves us, then we, we forgive them of all their sins and we just care for them. Um. The truth is I can't remember that. How about you? Do you remember in those seasons where it was so exciting and full of passion? Can you imagine people more intensely, deliberately actually loving each other more? Forgiving each other? Working on our relationship? Because that's what God does. God forgives us of all our sin and then he works on the relationship. 
So in those seasons of great passion and zeal, uh, at the coming of the Lord, at the end of all things, uh, when we thought it was at least, can you remember forgiving other and spending, putting more effort into developing relationships? I can't remember that either. Um, in fact, I remember a little bit different. I, I remember people literally buying air raid shelters and food driving, drying equipment and saving up containers of water just in case, you know, there was the rapture we missed out on and but then the government would take control and they'd come around persecuting Christians. So we'd people would literally store stuff up. And and it wasn't like, you know, hey mate, if anything goes wrong, don't worry. We got some stuff. No, it's a secret. It was a pretty embarrassing secret, by the way, uh, but it's true. Uh, people were going around with these underground, portable underground raid shelters that you could actually put in your backyard. I, I actually knew, I, I wasn't a Christian, I was just a, a boy when this happened, uh, but uh, it turns out, I didn't know, but my friend, my best friend at the time, his parents were Christians. And um, one day we're playing around, as boys do, and um, we were messing around under the house and all of a sudden I, I couldn't get through because there was this huge, big, solid wall in, in the middle underneath the house that never used to be there and it had this big gate and a padlock on and I was like, oh, what's this? This looks like fun, you know. And, but it was solid. It was like not quite railway sleepers but almost the wall and, and, and my mate got a bit embarrassed. And, but I got out of him. What's going on? He said, well, just in case something goes wrong, my parents are saving up food, non-perishable food and drinks and stuff, and, and we're locking them in here, and, but we don't want anyone to know. And I didn't understand, but I realised later that it was because they were expecting great persecution or the coming of the Lord. Like, I didn't even know they were Christians, but... I've, so I saw it as a young man myself, but um, yeah, when it happened in the 80s, and uh, I can't remember people saying, look, I forgive you of all your sins, and uh, I want to really work on our relationship. Oh, he was concentrating on was getting out of here. Which is what one of the reasons my theology changed dramatically is because an old minister said to me, Dennis, you know, if the Lord comes when you think he's going to come, you'll condemn million, billions of people to hell because they haven't heard about Jesus yet. And it changed the way I looked at that thing. And I realised that Jesus said, when every tongue is heard, uh, then, and so my heart shifted from end time stuff to um, great commission stuff. Uh, motivation was the same. We wanted to get out of here, but we'd do it by quickly and we'll tell everybody about Jesus and then he'll come back quicker. Anyway, so... Yeah, it seems like Peter's got something going on here. And then the next one is 1 Peter 4, 9, where he says, Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. And I'm going, hmm. This one I'll have to paraphrase a little with my own interpretation. But, but for me, what I'm hearing Peter saying is that um, we have to have people over. And, and we should be very generous to them. And we shouldn't worry about how much it's costing. 
And I thought, well, I never saw that happening in the 80s. Actually, I saw the opposite happening. People were isolating themselves, separating themselves, and, and uh, being cautious and suspicious about everything. But Peter says here, if you believe that the end of all things is at hand, he said, you ought to get more friendly. You, you ought to invite people over. And, and you ought to just be incredibly generous and, and not get grumpy and argumentative, you know, even if you're smiling, but in the back, you, how long are they going to stay? How much are they going to eat? Where, where, don't they, can they be polite and realize this has cost me a lot so they, shouldn't, they should refuse it when I offer it to them? It's, it's like when you go to India and... I had to learn this. It took me a long time to learn it. But, but we'd go in the villages, very simple folk, lovely folk, innocent folk, and, and uh, people would come. And so people in control would say, oh, offer them something. And they say, no, 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 no. And, and I found out later there was a rule. You had, to off, you had to deny it three times. Oh, no, 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 thank you. No, 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 no. And, and then the third, oh, no, no, thank you. No, that's very generous, but no, no, thank you. And then they, if they offered a fourth time, you went, oh, well, okay. Even though you wanted it all the time, it was their custom that you had to be polite and, and deny it three times before you could accept it. Uh, and so I think I saw a lot of that in the 80s. How, how funny that Peter says, the end of all things is at hand. Have someone over for dinner. Come on, be more hospitable. Offer, offer them dinner and fellowship and, and if they say yes and take it, don't be grumpy. Isn't that funny? Some people offer you stuff and then they get, you can tell they get a bit cranky when you take it. Um, the opposite was happening for me, I, I think, what we saw around. Uh, people isolating, separating, being cautious and suspicious stashing stuff just in case we need it later i uh, just before just before covid hit when there were starting to be some signs of of something dramatic happen worldwide i know people started uh, taking money out of banks and and some people started um, investing it in silver gold i, I know some people who actually Physically, you know, usually you just do it, it's all paper, but this time they physically got the silver and hid it in their yard. It would be terrible if they forgot where they hid it. We, we've seen that in India, didn't we, Jane, when the elder of a church, we were asked to go and pray for him in a hospital because he'd been in a motorbike accident. And, and so we went in into intensive care and we dare not touch anything because all the... The stands where they put the drips on and all they were all rusty and dirty and the windows were open and there's pigeon pop everywhere and it was like, mm. anyway, they said, we've got to pray for him. And so we started praying and then they said, no, can you pray some more? We need him to tell us where he's hidden the money. Because he was, he was fairly wealthy, apparently. He was a farmer, uh, but he didn't tell his wife where he had the money because he thought she'd spend it. So... He'd been saving it in tins and burying them in the farm somewhere. But now the hospital wanted their first bill paid. <laughs> I heard eventually 
they found the tin and were able to pay, but the man died. Uh, but at least they could clear the debt. That wasn't hanging over them. But ha how interesting that, you know, people of faith would literally take the money out the bank and then and, and they stored up silver because apparently it was, it was more uh, level than gold. Apparently gold was up and down, but silver was pretty safe. Um, but isn't it interesting, Peter says, okay, at the end of all things, you ought to be hospitable and you ought to invite people over for dinner and you ought to be really generous and don't get grumpy. I, I thought this is fascinating. Um, and then he goes on to suggest, in 1 Peter 4.10, as each one has received a gift, minister it, to, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now these things we would, all of these things we would embrace just in normal Christian life. And, and that's the way we practice it. But don't forget, he's, he's saying this is what happens when you think the end of all things is at hand. And so um, he says... Use what God's given you to bless people. Just We've all got callings, giftings, skills, abilities, whatever. He's saying, he's saying here, in the day when the end of all things draws near, you ought to use what God's given you to bless some people around you, which probably should have been doing anyway, but now the end is near. Why don't you start doing it right now? Um. But here's the thing right now. Who thinks the end of all things is close? Who thinks the return of Jesus is close? Who's learnt a lot from previous experiences but still believe right now the second coming of Christ is at hand? And the deal is now, are we mature enough to handle it differently? Can we see the wisdom in what Peter says here? Or, maybe I should have just asked before I said all that, what do you think we should do then if you believe that Jesus is coming back soon? I think we should practice what, Jesus, what Peter's suggesting here. Uh, and just in case, just in case we're tempted to think that... Um, this is probably just a good idea from Peter. I don't know if it's a spiritual kingdom strategy. Just in case you're not sure that this is a kingdom spiritual strategy, l let me just uh, read Hebrews 10, 23 to 25 to you. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much, so much the more, as you see the day approaching. Sounds completely different to what Peter wrote, but I think it's saying exactly the same thing. So the closer we get, we should fellowship more. We should come together more regularly. We should 
participate and be involved in church more. We should do the hospitality thing more. We should minister our gifts more. I, I think what Peter says, I suppose it was written so nicely that we could assume that Peter was just had a good idea. But when we tie it up with Hebrews here, we say, no, no, this is a, this is a kingdom spiritual strategy for how we're supposed to live in the end times. We're not supposed to run away in fear and, and you know, as many have done in the past and even recently I heard, buy property out west and, and save up all money and, and save up all food and water and, you know, buy guns and ammunition and get ready to wait it out until Jesus comes back. I'm going, what the? But that's the mentality of, and you think, yeah, that's the mentality of Americans. And I'm going, yeah, I would agree with you with that, except I've heard that in Australia. Oh, it's Connie being offended with me now. She's getting her rifle and heading to the mountains. Um, but you know that to be true, Connie, in America, that the, um, the, the oh, dare I call them rednecks, um, Christians, for any of our American viewers, please forgive me, it's just an ignorant Australian. But anyway, the deal is, I've, I've heard people talk like that in these last two years. Uh, I remember having a conversation with, with one man and uh, he was right into all the conspiracy stuff and so I said, here's the important thing. Are you ready for Jesus' return? Oh yeah, I'm brother. Brother, I'm ready. And, and I was thinking about getting a heart right with God, repenting of sin, living for him, serving him. But he was thinking, no, no, storing up food, buying ammunition... Um, wrapping your phone in tin foil, taking the battery out, you know, because, you know, don't hook up to the internet. Uh, uh, this has always amazed me because they go, they'll track you through the internet, don't, and yet every day they send you conspiracy theories straight from Google. But I think. I think it's a strategy we need to sort of not just get our heads around but start to implement more and more. So can I ask you, what are you doing? I think in the last season we probably wondered if this is it. Um, the coming of the Lord close, the end of all things. And it may be, may not be might be a little while yet. There's still a lot of people that haven't heard about Jesus yet. So it could be a little while yet. But in the midst of that, what are we doing? Can I, can I um, challenge us a bit tonight to get a little bit more intentional, deliberate with our prayer, to be more hospitable without getting grumpy, considering the cost. To fellowship more and more. So literally, I think probably we should print out that portion of pa that passage from Peter and just maybe perhaps post it on all our fridges, on the back of our toilet doors, and, and just start to apply what we really believe.
Now, don't get me wrong. Um, I, I do know that there's still billion people who haven't heard the gospel and Jesus said he's not coming back till every year is heard, till every people group is heard. I know that, but here's the deal. The gospel is spreading so quickly, we can't keep up with it. I, I know with our friends in India, um, the bishop is just before COVID, and we haven't been there since, of course, but he was perplexed because there was more churches being planted than he was aware of. He, he'd have gatherings, of his leaders and his pastors and and they tell him about introduce the new pastor of the new church and so now at their leadership meetings they have a one man whose job it is to go around and ask people if they've got any new churches so he can keep in contact with these people and support them but how many times just lately we've heard the most amazing visitations dreams, visions. How many people now in the Ukraine who are probably mainstream Christians but now getting serious with their faith, crying out to God. At, the conf at our last conference we attended, we heard about churches being planted in the Middle East. Hiring buildings for medical suites. To, to minister because you know there's the doctors the hospitals bombed or it's not safe or you're not the right nationality to go there so the first second floor is all of the and then the, but the third and the fourth floor is church just amazing things and stuff's happening here maybe not as dramatically but it's happening and if we want to be part of it, I believe we have to embrace what Peter's saying. Can we bow our heads right now? Father, in the name of Jesus. We've heard this kind of stuff before, but we've never related it to our response to the end of all things. We've never, we thought this is a good idea for church and discipleship, but we've never really put it together with the coming of Christ but I pray now Lord by your spirit that we will be deliberately and intentionally focused in these things in, in, in the prayer in, in the fellowship in the ministry together oh God as it says in Hebrews that we can encourage each other and even more as the day approaches. So even tonight, even tonight I pray, my God, by your Spirit, you start to stir us a deep and afresh. You start to add to the wonderful things that you've done and are still doing in our lives and in our church. And it won't have to be a structured, organized function Rather, the Spirit will move our hearts and we'll connect with people. And we'll, we'll, we'll be moved to prayer like never before. We'll be moved to reach out and get active in fellowship like never before. We'll start to see the value of all of this like never before. So even now, I thank you. I praise you, O oh God. 
And I pray right now, I dare ask, as it says in the book of Acts, that you will add to the church those who are being saved. And I dare even ask that you'll do it through the members of this church, through the people who are involved and active in this church, all of a sudden, friends, relatives, will open up and your spirit will make us a giant net and we'll start to pull them in. That people will respond to the gospel message. They will put their trust in you and their faith in you. They will look to you as saviour and Lord. But, but they might not do it in the church service, but they'll start in a living room or in a kitchen or over a dining table until they're part of the church, active. We even pray that in the course of our meetings now, you'll draw in those people who are starting to have their hearts turned towards heaven, those people who are starting to hear the questions and will start to search out the answers. Bring them in, O oh Lord. Bring them in, not just to a meeting, not just to one altar, but bring them in, O oh God, into the fellowship where there's people who connect and pray and, and people who fellowship together with them. Oh Lord, in Jesus' wonderful name. Now I thank you for this wonderful day. I thank you for the good times we've had together. And I pray you'll seal everything that was done today. That today just won't be a memory, but it'll be another step in the journey, oh God. It'll be something that'll be added to and cause us to be stronger, oh God. Oh Lord, that it's not something that we'll leave behind, but it's something that'll be seeds planted in our hearts. I do pray for your provision, your protection, your favour on us and all our loved ones. And I ask, Lord, that we would continue to grow in the knowledge of our God. I ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, well, thank you, church. I hope you can stay and have some fellowship. And if you're watching tonight, I hope that you perhaps can join us live next week. God bless you. Have a great week. See you soon. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you were blessed with today's message. You can connect with us at firstfamchristianchurch.com.